What are some of the takeaways that you took away from... <laughs> they might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast by two follically challenged pastors about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. We are pastors in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to say, the ELCA. Today we have with us David Hansen. He is pastor of Spirit of Joy Lutheran Church in the Woodlands, Texas. Welcome, David. Glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. I feel like we've known each other for a long time, but this is the uh, first time we're actually speaking together, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, I always enjoy that through social media, the, the chances that uh, we get to, to meet people that we've known for a long time. It, it, the, the first time my bishop met my wife, uh, he kept saying, but we've met before, right? And she had to convince him that no, in fact, they had not actually met in person before. Uh, so yeah, great to, to meet you guys. Yeah, good, good to have you here. It's great to have you. So just to kind of get us all acquainted a little bit, you want to just tell us a little bit uh, about your background? I know you have uh, shared in other places that you're a fourth-generation Lutheran pastor. Um, that's kind of interesting to me, at least, kind of what what that would be like. <laughs> yeah, so um, on my dad's side, I grew up as a PK. In fact, I am fourth-generation. My great-grandfather, Theodore Marcus uh, Hansen, was the president of Dana College and Trinity Seminary that were there, first a professor and then uh, president uh, in the, the 20s. Uh, served in the United Evangelical Lutheran Church, uh, United Danish Evangelical Lutheran Church, which were the Sad Danes, uh, which eventually became part of the American Lutheran Church, which eventually became part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Uh, his son, Rodney, uh, attended Northwestern Seminary uh, and was ordained in the United Lutheran Church in America, uh, which eventually became part of the Lutheran Church in America, which eventually became part of the ELCA. When I started looking into it a little bit further. I'm actually number 12 ordained in the Lutheran Church on that side of the family. Wow. That's amazing. It is. It, 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 it's a special thing, and um, I, I never forget the best conversation I had with my grandfather about preparing for ministry. Um, he was asked if he had any great advice for me as I got ready, and he said, yes, do something else. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I think that's always been helpful because I think if you can do something else, you should. Neither of my brothers felt the call to ministry, uh, an ordained ministry anyway, and are extremely happy at what they're doing. And um, I'm happy that they are, um, but I couldn't be happy doing much of anything else but this. And when did you feel called to ministry? Were you pretty young at that point or was that kind of more of a, oh, yeah, maybe this is what God wants for me kind of thing? So my dad tells the story that he didn't figure it out until the summer before he went to seminary. Um, he was at camp and someone said to him, you should really go to seminary. Camp has a way of doing that. Yeah. Um, I was in third grade when a career day when I wore one of my dad's clerical shirts and collars. I'd say I've pretty much known most of my life that, that this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, I was the one who followed dad around through the church and mimicked him during the service and, and, and learned all the parts of the service as I was growing up. And yeah, I, I kind of always knew. I, I read my first book of systematic theology, Ted Peter's God, the World's Future, uh, when I was a junior in high school. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever seriously considered much of anything else. 
Um, I certainly looked at other options, but kind of always knew that this is this is where my heart is. Cool. Yeah, it was kind of a shock to me, although it didn't seem like a shock to other people. <laughs> right. Uh, I had my 20th high school reunion a couple of years back, and uh, you know, I came back and like, oh, I'm a pastor now. They're like, oh, of course you are. You know, but I wouldn't have known that when I was that age. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I, I always knew, and um, just kind of grew up into it. Yeah, that's a real gift. That's cool. So, so you are the pastor at uh, Spirit of Joy, and you share a lot of what is going on in your community through various social media outlets. What kind of things are really exciting you in that community right now? A lot. Uh, Spirit of Joy is a redevelopment. It's sort of like starting a new church with some of the assets of an old church. Um, or, if you will, it's, it's like being J.J. Abrams and having to retell the Star Wars story in a new way, right? Nice, nice, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so that's kind of what we're doing. And it is, it's exciting to start a new thing. I never saw myself as a mission developer, um, but redevelopment is kind of a new start and a new beginning. It's exciting to say, if you didn't have the baggage of this is the way we've always done it, if you didn't have the history of, well, there was this pastor, then that pastor, then that, what would you do in a church? Yeah. What would your worship look like? What would your youth ministry look like? What would your educational ministry look like? Oh, and that's just been really exciting to play with worship and to play with education and to say, what do I think we really need? And to not have to deal with, this is the structure that's in place. And so you got to move the structure to make it happen. We don't have to do any of the moving to make it happen. So if we decide that's where we want to go, it's where we go. And and it's been great. Uh, um, so there's lots that I'm really excited about, but underneath it all is that restarting bit cool now when you came to that call was that in place for you or did you have to kind of create that space yes and no yeah sure (laughs) so what i came into was a congregation that 15 years ago was 300 in worship seven years ago was 160 in worship when i arrived here was 50 in worship and and they kind of came to a point where they said we're either going to close the doors, sell the building, maybe move in with someone else, maybe not, or we're going to restart. And they voted strongly to restart, uh, to redevelop. Um, And they said, you know, everything's on the table. We can change the name. We can Mm. sell the building. We can move. We can redo worship. We can redo education. Um, Everything's on the the board. And so I took that, took them at their word and, and, and those who stayed involved in the congregation. Now, a lot of people in the redevelopment process moved on elsewhere. It's a lot of work uh, to start from scratch. And I get that. And, and so I'm happy that there are places where their faith is being fed. But the people who stayed here were committed to making this work and seeing it flourish in new ways. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't. there wasn't a lot of convincing to do. It, w- it was already in place. But the process that got them to this place was was a hard process. They voted in January to redevelop, and their pastor said to them, you know, I'm not a redeveloper, and so if you vote to redevelop, I'm going to move on. And it took him a while to find a call, and so I came in May. His last Sunday was the last Sunday of April. My first Sunday was the second Sunday of May. So in those six months, they did a lot of that, you know, what is this going to look like, and, and, and what do we do sort of stuff. Sounds like it is a lot of work. It, it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff going on, and people are really engaged in what you're doing and excited about uh, the future that the, the the congregation has. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of joy in what we're doing now. Um, we're called Spirit of Joy, and uh, we've really come to a place where we live into that. That's um, great. We have a lot of fun. Uh, the line we use is that joy is certainly more than than just fun, but it's not less than that. And so we have a lot of fun in what we're doing. Um, people are excited about what we're doing. On a given Sunday, 60% or so of our membership is in worship. Uh, wow. Half of the people who are in worship are also in our educational hour. Wow. The level of commitment is huge. And people are just having a lot of fun. And I am too. The, good, this good. ministry here has just been a lot of fun. Uh, more fun than we ought to be able to have, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I sense that in a lot of the things that you post about what you're doing and what the community of uh, faith there, Spirit of Joy, is doing. is It really has that joy. I mean, you can see it in the words you post of what you're up to. So that's really, I'm happy for you. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, so you've done a lot of stuff on social media. That's where I got to know you uh, originally. Uh, so can you just share your journey of that, how you kind of got immersed into it and, and took on this uh, persona of digital pastor? You used to have a blog that kind of built that up. Yeah, I, I still do if I'd ever post on it. Um, <laughs> we know the feeling. <laughs> right? Yeah. Two ways to tell the story. The first is um, when I was in college, I wound up with uh, an illness called cluster headaches. Uh, cluster headaches don't affect a lot of people. Like a lot of illnesses um, that are a little bit rarer, it's hard to find people who have dealt with the same experience. Uh, and so when I was in college in 99, 2000, I found a community of those people spread around the world online in forums. Mm. Um, so it was bulletin boards and forums, right? And then I discovered uh, the the old ALPB online forums, mm-hmm. um, and and so I was living online a little bit. But when I got into my first call, which is in Brenham, Texas, in a rural congregation, St. John Lutheran Church of Prairie Hill, I looked around our community, and I noticed that none of our churches were online. This is 2006. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, and so I started to say, well, I've got these friends online, what would it look like if I started to make that a way we do ministry too? And so I created my first blog, uh, which was Postings from Prairie Hill, connected with a lot of other Lutherans um, who were doing the same thing at the same time. Uh, that was sort of, right, the golden age of blogging. Right. And and that was our community. We got to know each other through the comment sections of blogs. I've created a MySpace account uh, oh, of for course. the church. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Cutting edge. (laughs) Also started to think a little bit more about how my personal Facebook presence is a ministry and how my presence in the world, including online, is an extension of our ministry as a church. And from there, it just kind of snowballed. I started to connect with other people who were asking the same questions Uh, very early on. One of the first people I connected with on Twitter was Meredith Gould. You guys know Meredith. Uh, she's the author of the Social Media Gospel, uh, of which I wrote the foreword, and was part of the ground level of the church social media community as that group started to form. And we started to say, there are lots of us asking these same questions. Let's get together and learn from each other. And that kind of was my way in. And, and once I had a way in and, and I started to do it, I realized how little other people knew. And so we started to share those things with others. So you mentioned Meredith Gold and the fact that you've worked with her. What have you learned from her? What are you still learning from her? And, and 
what types of things are you guys working on together, if anything at all? Well, I mean, of course, the answer is I've learned everything from Mary. Of right? course, yes, yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, but with that out of the way. Listen to this. You definitely learned everything from her, right? Right, and, and we'll make sure that that's the tagline for this interview, right? <laughs> right. right. From Meredith. No, I think uh, from Meredith I, it, is one of the ones who helped me be more intentional about it. Uh, Meredith's one of the things Meredith has taught me is to think about strategy first and to help others think about strategy first uh, before you think about what the tools are. Mm. So when I encounter people in ministry who are starting it, they want to ask the, how do I use Facebook? How do I use Twitter? What are the tools? And, and where I start from is, well, what's your strategy? What do you want to accomplish? And that's all Meredith. That, that's, that's things that I've learned from her very much. Um, I think I've also learned the importance of being yourself. You you both know and, and uh, are much the same way. You got to be yourself online and trying to be something else, trying to be a pious image of who you think you're supposed to be never works. But the church social media community is growing a little bit more. Um, Meredith is stepping away from leadership a little bit. So I, we're, we're working on that and what that looks like. Um, she has a new book coming out uh, that I'm extremely excited about. I've not been involved in it. Uh, my my plate is full over here, but I'm excited about the work that she has going on there. We don't have at the moment a project outside of the church social media chat that happens weekly uh, in that community of moderators and administrators. Uh, we don't have another project we're working on. That's enough to keep us busy. And that's the one you do on Twitter, right? Yeah, that's a chat that happens 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, every Tuesday. Um, and you'll notice there are some new voices in there. We've brought in new moderators to, to sort of spread the load a little bit um, and, and make it look a little bit different, a little more inclusive, a little bit broader grouping. And, and that's been fun to see that community grow and change. That's great. I've stepped into that conversation a couple of times, and that's very, very helpful if anyone is interested in learning about what it means to engage in social media if you're part of a church community, and not necessarily uh, a pastor, but anybody who's engaged and interested in social media in the church can uh, join that chat. Uh, What's the best way to find that chat if people are looking for it? The best way to find that chat is to search for hashtag C-H-S-O-C-M. C-H-S-O-C-M. Chasakam, church social media. Great. One of the Interesting things, and I think really neat things that you seem to be doing weekly is uh, asking for people's prayers while you are driving. So once a week, you, you say, what can I pray for? And it seems that as though people really kind of engage in that. Can you share your experience um, in doing that? And what are some of the things you learned or stories that, that have happened because you've, you've taken that in, yeah. intentional time in a public way for prayer? Absolutely. Um, so there are a couple things going on there. Um, The first thing that I've learned uh, as a strategy piece is uh, repetition and consistency is extremely helpful. You know when to turn on for your local TV shows because you know what time they air. They air the same time every week, uh, and that's when you go and look look for them. Um, So I look for pieces where I can do that consistency in my social media presence. Uh, The first one I started was uh, Sunday mornings, uh, noting that I was often at church early. Um, and that had the coffee on and had the coffee on, uh, and prayer is a part of my preparation. Um, I started to post that and knowing that lots of folks check their social media before they do anything else in the morning, it put church on people's minds first thing in the morning on Sunday morning. Uh, so I noticed that consistency piece. And so I was looking for some others. Um, 
I also then um, am intentional about prayer, and, and, and it's a twofold thing. It's my own prayer life and praying for those people, but it's also a modeling uh, about how we can use our time. Mm. Uh, and so that prayer time is my time that I'm driving and commuting. Uh, and by being public about that, it models for other people ways that they can find time and space for prayer in their own lives. Um, so my hope is, yes, I love that prayer time that I share with other people, but I hope that part of what's happening is other people are being called to prayer in their lives in those times that we would generally think of as wasted time. Mm. Waiting in line, sitting in your car, waiting for things to download, right? All that wasted time that we have is useful time for us. Uh, And so I try to model that publicly and say, this is what I'm doing. While I'm in the car, I'm praying for you. I also try and be intentional about naming for my congregation that they're in my prayers, that that every week I'm praying for them by name, and, and I hope they know that, uh, and I hope they'll pray for me as well. Um, lots of us as pastors do that, but people don't know it. And not that it makes a difference in our prayers, right? Our prayers are as effective whether they know we're praying for them or not. Yeah. But I think it does something for your heart to know that your pastor is praying for you in that way. And to equip other people, which you, you label so well. I mean, that one of the things we're hoping happens through this podcast is to really strengthen people in their real lives, in their lives of faith, and to model that in a real way using some of these tools and uh, just being yourself. You know, I'm going to this place. I'm going to use that time effectively, intentionally in prayer, and anybody can do that. That's just a real gift to be able to share with others. So thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and some of the things that have come from that, I mean, you guys are online as much as I am at this point in your careers, right? Just about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the stories about people who you otherwise wouldn't hear from who will send you a Facebook message because it feels safer Yeah, right. Yeah. than calling or emailing. And so they'll send you a message. Or you know, the, the, the number of times that someone will send me a message and say, Hey, I know it's not Thursday, but (laughs) you know, I pray other times too. (laughs) Right, not Um, just Thursdays. Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) But but also then they know I'm a person of prayer. They know that I'm a person who's open to their prayer concerns and so they can come to me other times. So I mean that's just powerful stuff and it's it's a privilege to be trusted with those sorts of concerns. Yeah, that's really great. Just a, a follow-up to that. I mean, all three of us are, are fathers, too. I mean, are there other practical things that you do at home that maybe you want to share or lift up uh, that other people could learn from or take and run with in their own way? Sure. I can't say enough good things about um, Rich Melheim, Faith Inc.'s Faith 5 model. Yep. Um, use which that there are, us too. Yep. Yeah. There are other models that are similar uh, that use other language. Vibrant Faith uses other language yeah. uh, to name that stuff. Um, meaningful conversations, caring conversations, right, and things like that. But I like the Faith 5 language, and it's worked for us in our home. Um, the moment when I realized that we could do that stuff in our home that I was telling other people to do in their homes was perhaps one of the most humbling moments for me as a pastor. And it, it's made a huge difference, I think, in my relationship with my daughter and, and in our family. Uh, so we do those things. We we read the Bible together. We read uh, Spark Story Bible, Augsburg Fortress. Love it. My daughter has loved it since she was a little girl. That's why I started using it 
Um, I had one in my home and she sat and she read it at like two or three years old for like 20 minutes uninterrupted. And yeah, I thought, that's great. That's the, th- that's the thing right there. So I started using that for everything because that was the endorsement I needed. So we still read that Bible. We talk about what were our highs and lows or our best things and our worst things every day. And then we take turns praying for those things. Um, so whatever your worst thing is, you know, today I was stuck in traffic. God, give us patience. And, and, you know, today I got to spend time with my family. God, we give you thanks for family. Just simple prayers like that. And then we bless one another. Uh, and our blessing in our family, I love this story. So our, our, our blessing started out with my daughter and I when it was uh, the two of us. I'm a divorced father, uh, divorced and remarried father. Uh, and so after our divorce, uh, after my divorce, I started tucking my daughter in at night and I would say to her, because as a divorced parent, what you want to reassure your child is they will be loved and that even as the family changes, they'll still be loved the same. And so I'd say to her every night, Daddy will always love you no matter what. And eventually it became a litany between the two of us. I would say to her, Daddy will always love you. And she would say back to me, no matter what. Uh, that became the blessing that we now use. Uh, we say to you, Jeff, Joe, I will always love you no matter what. And Jesus will always love you no matter what. And that's the blessing that we use every night. Wow, that's that's awesome. We ours is uh, Jesus loves you and I do too. Yeah, and yeah. We do it as a family, and our uh, two kids are not talking to each other. They say Jesus loves you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then we all laugh, and it somehow gets a little better. So. Right, right. Well, and one of the things for me is to to be able to say that when when you're in trouble, when your child is behaving not as you might like your child to behave, to say, I will always love you no matter what. I may not like how you're behaving right now or the choices that you're making, but I will always love you no matter what. And Jesus will always love you no matter what. And I think there's power in those words. Yeah, it's really special. And hearing them. I wasn't able to be home for one night uh, when when we were doing the blessings, and but my when my daughter gave me a blessing over the phone, you know, it was a really really powerful thing just to hear her say the words, you know, God loves you, Jesus loves you, and I love you too. Mm, I mean, just a simple blessing is just a powerful powerful thing. Yeah, it's really cool. I yeah, I can't say enough about that faith five. We're actually going to talk to uh, Rich Melheim in a few weeks. I'm excited to hear his story of developing that and and other ways that people have used it because it's for us it's only been positive. Yeah, us too and 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 so again, asking the question when I came here, what would you do if you were starting from scratch? We started to integrate that within the first 6 months. We moved to all ages Sunday school, um intergenerational, what's now called cross-generational Sunday school, mm-hmm. and it's been amazing. And and, it, and it's all built around that faith five stuff. And we use some of it in worship from time to time. Uh, but it's primarily our educational piece. It's been phenomenal for our families, for our church, for our community. That's great. That's awesome. That's that's really, really neat. And thank you for sharing that. That's a great thing for families to be able to connect with one another, for churches to be able to connect with one another. One of the things that I'm going to be doing with my kids uh, coming up here pretty soon is to see uh, the new Star Wars movie. So, and, and right. so we're, we're really looking forward to that. And when I first saw that you were going to be doing this Advent series on Star Wars, uh, Star Followers, I was really excited. And I sent you a message saying, hey, I want to do something like this, too. And you said, go for it. Uh, so just wanted to hear from you. How are how is that working for you and your congregation? And you know, do you have any other kind of series things that you're working on that have excited you? Yeah, so. That conversation to me, it goes back to, again, 
what would you do if you were starting from scratch? And and what I figured out early on is I wanted a little more repetition in our preaching. I wanted to focus a little bit more, kind of like the narrative lectionary does, on repeating stories. I also wanted to ask some specific questions in our preaching uh, and to arc out where we were going in our preaching more than a week at a time, but more of a season, even beyond a season at a time. Where are we going to go? And so that's when I started series preaching. I've written a number of series for myself. I did a series on Fruit of the Spirit. I did a series um, called uh, On a Mission from God, uh, using Bits of Blues Brothers, right, uh, for for Easter. Grateful to uh, Chris Duckworth, who wrote a series on Toy Story that I used last summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife, Megan Hansen, uh, and Bishop Mike Reinhardt wrote a series on 2 Corinthians that I've used. But when I saw where this was following, uh, that is the uh, the new movie, it just fit with Advent, right? Force awakens, faith awakens. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the closing line of the first full trailer, right? Hope. It's all about hope. Yeah. You know, uh, Han Solo saying, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that just resonates. Well, I had a member who, who knows my love of Star Wars who said to me, you've got to preach on that. And I said, you know what? <laughs> okay. You're kind of right. And so I did. Uh, and so I started thinking about it. Actually, I wrote the series this summer. Uh, I was riding in the car. Uh, we were coming back from vacation. We drive on vacation because the journey's half the trip, right? Right. And so we were driving and I started sketching out what it would look like. What would I call them? How would I shape them? The first Sunday was called A New Hope, uh, and it focused on the prophetic texts calling for hope sometime in the future, right? Some sort of new hope. And I had scheduled for this last Sunday, The Empire Strikes Back. And I thought, well, what do you read when The Empire Strikes Back? We read the story of the slaughter of the holy innocents from mm-hmm. Matthew 2. And in the events of the last couple of weeks, the, the shooting in Paris, the shooting in San Bernardino, the shooting in Colorado Springs, it preached. And yeah. so we preached a sort of a blue Christmas sort of Sunday, talking about tragedy and brokenness in the midst of our joy. Yeah. Um, next yeah. Sunday, we're talking about the return of the Baptist. Um, <laughs> so we're reading... Who could that be? Yeah. Right? And so well, instead uh, of splitting the John the Baptist texts into two Sundays... We're reading the whole Luke passage about John the Baptist uh, and talking about him. And then the last Sunday will be, I think I've got it as Faith Awakens, will be our last Sunday leading into Christmas. We have a, a, a small group of folks who's gathering every Sunday night to watch the movies in a home. Oh, oh wow, fun. nice. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And so we're sitting last night in their, their theater room, and there's 16 of us, right? We're, so we're, that's 10% of our congregation gathering. And as we're watching it, the elementary school junior high students are saying, oh, that was the part in the sermon when Pastor David said this. And so they're talking about the sermon. Like not even the adults, the kids are talking about the sermon six hours, eight hours later. Wow, nice. nice. Right? And so it, it gives them a hook to come back to again and again, a thing to remember. And so, yeah, it's just really gone well. It's been received really well. I've gotten better about figuring out what clips to use and when and, and how to edit them and what length to use. And so I, I feel good about it and I'm excited about what the, the next step will be. I, I'm thinking about what series I want to do in the future and, and things like that. So right now I'm, I'm playing around with Inside Out. You guys have oh, kids. Okay. Did you see yeah, Inside yeah, Out yet? Yeah, yeah, 
right? I think that'd be a perfect movie for a sermon series um, to talk about joy and disgust and anger and fear. Yeah. So I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't gotten too far with it, but um, that's one of the ideas in the hopper. I love the idea that kind of everything's on the table as far as uh, what you're doing and why with the goal in mind. What are you trying yeah. to do? Uh, what are the kind of things that you find keep you going or energized or where do you seek inspiration? Where do you get your creative juices from? Gosh, all sorts of places. I find when I'm getting dry, the first thing I need to do is read more, listen more, watch more. Um, to, to feed that creative side. So when I started getting dry in terms of my preaching, there was a time where I was listening to a dozen to 15 sermons every week just mm -hmm. so I could hear other preachers and, and not so much the content as the style and how they told stories and how they wove things together. When I sit and I, I, I spend time, you know, whether it's Len Sweet or Diana Butler Bass or, or Carol Howard Merritt, um, reading people who are thinking about ministry creatively. Um, I sit and I, because of my work in social media, I spend a lot of time reading marketing stuff. And so going and reading them and talking about how they tell stories. Um, and, and Len Sweet's one who does really well at weaving those things together, right? How advertisers tell stories and how Jesus yeah. told stories and how we tell stories and, and getting inspired by those things. And then surrounding myself with as many creative people as I can. And social media is great for that. Um, I've made so many creative friends that I would not have otherwise made. I mentioned Chris Duckworth, uh, who did the Toy Story series. He's actually one of my old friends from when we blogged, uh, when we both blogged regularly. Yeah. And that's where I met him. And I just met him in the flesh last year. <laughs> and, and so I'm grateful to have those sorts of creative friends around me and, and to be able to learn from them. Um, and, and bounce ideas off them. Nice. It, it, it is interesting to, to meet people and to kind of hear their stories, especially if you only really know them online. An interesting story I, I think that might be fun to share is this, this podcast is two bald pastors who are follically challenged, and you also happen to be a follically challenged pastor. So uh, do you have a, a, a bald story? Well, um, so... You can start with the picture I'm looking at right now, which is a, a picture from my dad's ordination. It's a picture of my dad and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, all albed and stoled and vested, um, seated for a formal portrait. And my great-grandfather, whom I never met, seated and completely bald. Um, and, and so that's one of the, you know, you know, the pictures your parents had in their house the whole time you were growing up, those are sort of the shaping images, right? Yeah. yeah Whatever yeah. they happen to be. Well, that's one of them for me. When I was a kid, I had long hair. Um, in high school, I had hair down to my shoulders. Nice. And as I got older, not even too much older, uh, I started to notice that my head was a little bit pinker than everybody else's, and you could <laughs> see a little bit more of it. Um, there's this great picture of my father and I both faced away from the camera, and you can tell that it's us because we have a matching pink spot right at the crown of our head. Uh, nice. Um, and that's when I was, you know, 25, 26. So I liken it to a bad relationship. At some point, I figured out that my hair was going to break up with me. And so I broke up with my hair before it could break up with me. Amen, brother. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and now it's part of my my routine, right? I love routines. Uh, and so Sunday, Saturday night, part of my preparation for getting ready for Sunday is grabbing the razor and getting a fresh shave and getting ready for, for Sunday morning. Similar. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Got to look. Uh, Got to look the best for Sunday morning. You know, right? That's right. 
Shine, Jesus, shine. <laughs> I had a pastor growing up. He 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 must have buffed it somehow. I don't know what he put on his head, but it was it glistened. I mean, it was a very beautiful thing to look at. He was. But this camera is doing that to me too, right? As I can you see know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get a pretty good shine going. <laughs> I would see him during the week or somewhere out, and it didn't shine like that. So he must have done something extra special. I'm gonna have to learn that trick. That, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, and and so I, I I've tried to grow it out because my daughter loves when my hair is fuzzy because when it starts to grow out, right right past the prickly pit stage, when it's fuzzy, she loves that. She loves to rub my fuzzy head, and so I oh I'll just let it grow out. And like you could get lazy certain times a year, and so I let it grow out. And I realized, you know, I can pull off the perfect monk's tonsure without shaving my head oh, nice. <laughs> because it no longer – there's really nothing here anymore. At some yeah, point, yeah. the gears since I've started shaving my head, it finally quit on me. So <laughs> I, I'm permanently this way whether I choose to be or not now. Right, right. Well, David, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation and, and the chance to chat with you guys about ministry and uh, get a step closer to meeting you guys for real. It'll happen. It will. It'll happen. It, it will. It will. Uh, but in the social media world, what's a great way for uh, other people to connect with you? What would be uh, the best way to do that? Turns out I'm fairly easy to find. If you search for Pastor David Hansen, I'm usually one of the first results. Uh, so Google works. You can also find me at Twitter, at Rev, R-E-V underscore David. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash RevDavidH. Uh, you can find my blog at RevDavidH.blogspot.com. And on Instagram, I'm at, at Rev, R-E-V underscore David. Great. Very good. Very good. So thank you again, and it's been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Blessings. All thank right. You. you too, David. Thanks a lot. Well, this has been a great conversation with uh, Pastor David Hansen. We had a great time uh, doing it. We want to just uh, invite you into our next episode where uh, Joe and I will reflect a little bit more about uh, the time we had here with David, uh, particularly around prayer and uh, what that means for us as people of faith and what that can mean for a wider growing community of people as we invite one another uh, into that time of, of reflection and connection and um, caring with each other and with God. So we invite you to uh, tune in next time. Yeah, and if you want to learn a little bit more about who David is and places that you can find him and some of the things that we talked about in the interview today, you can go to twobaldpastors.com where we will have some show notes for you to check out. If you haven't subscribed already, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast so you will receive every episode directly into your favorite podcast reader. So you can do that in iTunes and in Stitcher Radio. If you want to connect with us a little bit more on Facebook, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash twobaldpastors. We want to thank you again for listening to this episode and we hope to connect with you again soon. Thanks, have a great day, and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.